Hello, world singers. My name is Tyler. And my name is Brooke. And this is Cosmere Cosmere Conversations. Welcome back, all of you lovely people. We are so happy that we have come to the conclusion, the end of our Lost Metal review, and these episodes have been a blast. It's been great to -to back-to-back read the Lost Metal, be able to talk about it, and to be incorporating what we learned from the Lost Metal into the year of Sanderson and Brandon's secret project number one as we prepare for secret project number two. Woohoo! We today are talking about what might be happening in the future on Scadrial. What can we maybe start to speculate about from what we know thus far about where we're at on Scadrial, about what may be happening in Era 3, and also what might be happening in the broader Cosmere. We got a lot of enticing tidbits and details throughout the Lost Metal that sort of can lead us down some paths. We probably could have talked about these in some of our previous episodes, so these might be things that all along you've been yelling in your head at us like, but what about blank? Here it is. This is the episode for you. And there might be some things that we miss, and you are welcome to reach out on the social media regular old email and you can always join us over on patreon for exclusive episodes as well as our book club episodes after we finish up this lost metal series the main feed will be incorporated into all the fun that we've been having for the tress of the emerald sea book club and those episodes that we have been doing over the past couple of months exclusive to patreon will become available to everyone here on the main podcast feed. Until that time, let's talk about the future of Scadrial by first looking at the big picture and kind of like, where do you think Scadrial is going after we leave it in era two? I think we have some worrying signs about where Scadrial might be going, in particular put into context in some of the events in The Lost Metal and combined with Brandon's stated goal of having era three be a sort of spy thriller situation a lot of this comes from morassi for most of the series Mm -hmm. all of her observations about what is happening in the sort of broader social fabric of the ellendale basin in particular and then as we see those politics and relationships start to expand to include the southern scadrians i feel like we have some worrying signs for where this world is going kind of similar to what we've seen in our own world with the advent of the industrial revolution and things like that that really just uh quicken the pace of life to a place where people can't necessarily keep up or things are changing very quickly and so we see quote City folk, particularly politicians, were intimidated by small arms. They preferred to kill people with more modern weapons, like poverty and despair, end quote. 
And we are to, I think, take as the reader that Marassi's insights about her world and her statistical nature and the way that she's understanding the big impacts of society, the big influences of society, and maybe looking away from like individual actors and heroes, a la Kelsier and Venn. Now it's about how a society functions. I think we are led to believe as readers that that is more correct and that her insights are accurate in a lot of ways so when she says something like this it's not the same to me as like a snide remark from maybe ham or kelsier or anyone Mm -hmm. from like the original crew i feel like when marasi speaks i need to pay a little bit more attention when i am interested in the future of scadrill and i think an interesting part of the lost metal is that we also start to see some similar sentiments from wayne actually we get some more chapters and sections in his perspective. And we see that, you know, we know that Wayne is sort of a man of the people. He is very much involved and incorporated into what's going on in the general populace. And so we actually see some of these insights coming from Wayne, too, from a less intellectual perspective and more of a feeling empathetic perspective that he's sort of intuited a lot of the same conclusions that Marasi has come to intellectually, which I think is interesting. It provides a great compliment to Marasi's insights, which are often educational. While she had a different life than Steris growing yeah. up, she still was part of the upper or like upper middle class in society and wayne as we see in his backstory throughout the lost metal is from the lowest possible rungs of society and so he has an understanding and has maybe been able to because he experiences many things maybe in service to the one maybe not but He is experiencing multiple different types of people, multiple stations in life. You know, he loves to take on these characters and portray characters, but that also gives him an insight across the spectrum in a way that I think is, as you said, it allows us to be far more empathetic than just like the cold, hard numbers that Marasi could bring to the situation. Yeah, he has the firsthand anecdotal Mm -hmm. information that is then supported by Marasi's data. Yeah, and let's go to this quote from the text. Quote, it's the world that we have to worry about. Individual men, yes, they can be evil, but we should worry more about the world itself making them so. End quote. I believe we talked last time about Wayne's support and investment of Noseball kind of being in service of stabilizing society, giving an outlet for venting frustration and a means of community and bringing people together around their neighborhoods in the city. And that is a little bit in line with what we're seeing from this quote here, that the world has a way of making people into like a certain band or spectrum of possible existence. Yeah, I think that something like Noseball and the league that we can presume is going to come about is something like a Band-Aid or a Salve. And this quote, to my mind, is talking a little bit more about really the underlying structures that are creating the conditions for the kinds of bad things that can happen. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily know that Noseball is like going to fix this. It's just something that 
a regular person can do without causing complete structural change. Marasi, I think, is the one who will maybe try to implement some structural change, speaking directly to this quote. Mm -hmm. I think we don't know whether or not that is going to happen. I am very curious where Marasi's path is going to take her, if she is able to sort of course correct what's currently happening to create a better schedule. I feel like that's unlikely because obviously for a story, we need conflict. (laughs) Right. I almost think it is the danger of falling in love with a character, investing as a reader into a character, wanting them nothing but like future growth and future success where we have to maybe be prepared for Marasi and possibly other characters throughout the Cosmere to be set up for failure rather than success. It's entirely possible that Marasi is the negative impetus for the future bad scadrial that we are afraid of. Mm. That like she comes out and says, we're going to do X, Y, Z. That works well or that like works while she's in power for five years or 10 years or whatever number you want to assign to her she's eventually going to possibly be replaced by a like snap back Mm, to a backlash right exactly and so she's like trying to push things forward maybe align more with what we would say is like a progressive ideology but like push their society forward and that snaps back and it becomes more totalitarian more Mm. fascist and more a setup for an era three that's like the 1984 uh, future of just like really dark forces of the state kind of controlling people rather than a free expression schedule that we might want. And I think this is maybe my biggest frustration with the Lost Metal and the end of era two in general. It just really feels like there is so much left to explore. Mm -hmm. I'm really sad that we're not, presumably, not going to get to see the rest of Marasi's path. It seems like she still has so many interesting things to do. Right. And And she's young, unlike Wax and Wayne, who are like at the end of kind of their story. But even Wax, we'll talk about this Mm -hmm. in just a little bit. Even Wax, I feel... There's a lot of questions, a lot of things up in the air where it's like, wait, are we really going to just leave these characters now and not explore what's happening? And it seems, again, we don't know for sure, but it seems as though when we pick back up with Scadrial, it's going to be enough into the future that these things are sort of going to be lost in time, that the characters of Era 3 may not necessarily be talking about what happened with Morassi, what happened with Wax. And so, like, when Era 1 ended, it felt appropriate. You know, the whole world ended, the series ended, and so it felt fine to pick Mm -hmm. up a couple hundred years later and be like, okay, like, what's been going on in the last couple hundred years? And then finding those insights and those connections was exciting to read in Era 2, but then how does that hold over from Era 2 to Era 3? Right. And that feeling isn't going to be replicated because I just want to know like all of the cliffhangers that were set up in era two. And I want to know them right now. Like this stuff is happening fast. And if we're not going to pick up again for whatever, a hundred years has passed on Scadrille. I don't know what it's going to be, but I think it's going to be at least several decades. It feels like these stories are just going to sort of fall by the wayside, which I just find really frustrating. 
And I think it's frustrating because of the quotes like this and because of the bigger and we'll say maybe like wider view that was being introduced over era two. It feels like instead of moving wider and wider with each story, era two had this weird like focus problem where it starts very narrow, just about wax and wane. And it's like the alloy of law, these two together wax internally. And it's like all very focused but then it widens out as Era 2 expands, but then kind of snaps back down to say, no, 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 really, this is just about Wax and Wayne. And, and not, the Elendil Basin. Yeah, and yeah. not explore the Southern Scadrians or like the Civil War or the yeah. grander politics. It just like introduces those concepts rather than actually exploring them in depth. But it's yeah. promising. Like the promise of this is that we will explore them in depth. And what you're saying is we might not. And that's the frustrating part. Yeah, I think. And again, it's going to depend on the timeline just because the industrial revolution on our planet happened you know a certain number of years before the 1980s which is the decade that brandon has cited uh for this like spy theme for era three doesn't mean that that's going to be the same amount of time that passes on scadrial so i think it is possible maybe we pick up on scadrial 30 years after era two and maybe we're seeing the tail end of Marasi's mayorship or, you know, like maybe we are able to catch up with these characters a little bit. We'll just have to wait and see. I think that concept, though, of the spy thriller and the setup that we have right now from Brandon and from his public plans for the series are really well summarized by this bit of dialogue between Kelsier and Moonlight. Would you play this out with me? Mm-hmm. I will play Kelsier. Quote, how quickly can we get the Elendel agents to Bilming? Kelsier asked. Not quickly enough, Moonlight said. They're all embedded, so we'd have to use dead drops. We could have them roused by early evening, maybe late afternoon, but they would still be several hours away in Elendel. End quote. Just all the all the spy jargon immediately made me think, is the Ghostbloods, this organization, going to be the spy part of our spy thriller era three? Yeah, and I think that there is a setup for competing spy agencies, so to speak. Like, think of your James Bond, who's from the, the British government, MI6, and then the American counterparts mm-hmm. in the CIA, mm-hmm. but then you also have Russian and French and like the different intelligence services all around oh. the world all have spy agents. And like sometimes these are, you know, portrayed in a funny way in American movies and whatnot. I'm thinking of the very famous Rush Hour series where Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker meet up and they have crazy hijinks back and forth. That seems to be the fun version of what could happen in era three scadrial but i am imagining something like the ghost bloods existing as a counter party to something that's more under government control oh and maybe government controls in different like the southern scadrians have a spy thriller going Mm -hmm. on and the ellendale or the basin government has a spy agency and then the ghost bloods exist to like support and yeah. thwart both sides as they see fit 
what do you think about that kind of like all of these different uh, possible spy agencies working against one another and more like a civil war rather than another attack from outside? Mm. I mean, if it is going between the basin and the southern Skadrians, that's not a civil war. That is, you know, more maybe like a cold war. Yeah, a, a cold situation. war or a world war, a setup for a world war. And then you just have the ghost bloods as your wild card, so to speak, doing whatever they want to do, not necessarily affiliated with any government. So they may do some things that are in the interest of the Southern Skadrians, and they may do some things that are in the interest of the Basin. There will continue to be plenty of speculation about what is going to come in Era 3, but let's jump over to maybe some of the precursors to Era 3, things that are happening right now or are already like existing within the Cosmere. Another kind of outreach, not outreach from the Basin to the Southern Skadrians, but outreach from Skadriel to the wider Cosmere, which is coming from Melan, of course, our first Chandra ambassador. We get a super fascinating excerpt of her in the epilogues, what she's up to, just a tiny little peek at what she's up to, but it's quite... It's gold. Uh, yeah, it's a good thing to note for sure. Yes, we have Melon sent to the wider Cosmere. We don't necessarily know why, but we get the hints at it as... She is using these messengers in yeah, Shades to Mark. communicate with Harmony. And the messengers are said to be invested entities that, quote, can read connection to find anyone anywhere, end quote. Capital C connection. And I actually got really intrigued by this possibility or like what it means to be able to read connection throughout mm. the Cosmere. Yeah. When we started to talk about the guide that Melon has, because she's not alone on this mission and is maybe collecting some people that will show up in other books. Yeah, this is also our first in-world canon peek at a Shodel. And Shodel are a race of species, beings, yeah. species of beings, yeah. They are in the non-canon layer of Partnell, which we have not read, though many Cosmere fans have. That story is set on Hoyd's home planet of Yolin. And so on Yolin, my understanding is that there are three main species. There are humans, there are Shodel, and then I believe the last one is called or it might be Fane, which is some type of plant life, I believe. Again, haven't read Lyre of Partnell. I believe that's what it is. Shodel are from Yolen. And as a description for them in their physical body, we have, quote, a creature with four arms, chalk white skin, and large, almost reptilian eyes. Her white hair was wide, like blades of grass, end quote. Now, that already makes the Shodel, one of the more interesting things we've seen yeah. in the Cosmere. Four arms! Chalk white skin and reptilian eyes. We've had, I feel like, you know, some crab or insectoid things going on on Rashar, but this is the first, like, reptilian species, certainly, that, you know, feels humanoid or, or yeah. having some elements of uh, humans as well. We hear from Melon that Shodel are rare in Shadesmar, 
or at the very least, the part of Shadesmar that Melon is in. It's unclear precisely what she means when she's talking about this. But she does say that the Shodel make excellent guides because, quote, they have a direct line to their gods, end quote. I have no clue what that means, but it sounds sort of similar to the Aethers, the way that Aetherbound have a direct line to the prime Aether and are able to instantaneously, you know, telepathically communicate with them. We see this from Twin Soul in The Lost Metal and his connection to Selajana. The guess that we are making is that maybe the Shodel have a similar relationship to something. Is that an Aether or is that, quote unquote, you know, their gods? Is it a shard? We don't know yeah. what it is, but because Yolin is considered to be one of the oldest or oldest inhabited planets, we think that there's maybe a possibility that this connection predates the shattering. I mean, it seems like the god on Yolin would have been Adonalzion, right? That is where the shattering happened. So I have no clue. Like, I don't even, I can't even speculate about what potential thing might be existing on Yolen right now that is considered a god that is also directly connected to the Shodel that is helping them be excellent guides in Shadesmar. Like, that feels like 10 levels beyond my understanding at the moment. I feel like that's the PhD level Cosmere course and... I am maybe in my master's. (laughs) I like that you are in the master's, though. The guess that I have, and this is complete speculation, it's based a little bit on some of the knowledge that we get from Secret Project Number 1. So I'm not going to dive deep into that. But in our upcoming book club episodes about Tress, we will talk about the Aethers and some speculations about the Aethers. I think if then you return to this conversation, it may make some more sense. 100%. But if the Shodel are similarly connected to a source, a god source, like Twinsel is connected to Selajana, that maybe what is going on is the god source of the Shodel and the Aethers are perhaps interwoven throughout the entirety of the Cosmere in a way that we haven't necessarily seen before, that they are not just circling around the gravity of the shard's power, as we would say most things on Scadrial are. They're just like all circling around those centers of power, that maybe the source of the Shodel gods and the Aethers are more underlined. They're like dark matter or something. They're everywhere and everything. And that is perhaps why the Shodel are able to find people is because from their perspective, they're just looking around at their world. They're seeing what we would call dark matter, but to them is just like lines connecting people. And they're like, we'll just follow that line because you're connected here and it goes that way. Are you thinking they're like more embedded, not just in the physical realm, but through all three realms? That's definitely how I would describe Although what I'm I guess imagining. Shards are also that way. You can't really say shards are only in the physical realm. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it would be as if there was some being 
that is maybe at best I can compare it to a fully bonded fifth ideal knight radiant who is definitely part of the physical realm, but then has the cognitive realm spren that's now interwoven through their soul. And that gives them direct access to the spiritual realm where they pull, you know, power from that like source. And so I see those people as near the best example of like across all three realms, except for maybe a bondsmith mm. version of that. But, you know, that's like the highest class. A herald maybe is something similar or, you know, other type two invested entities in a weird way. But I do think that this introduction of Shodell and the concept that they're able to see something or read something in the Cosmere that is maybe obvious and not difficult to do, but it's just like the characters we're following haven't noticed it yet. That's what I think is being introduced here. And I find that really, really exciting and stimulating and just like fun to think about. I want to talk a little bit about the very end of this epilogue, because I think this may actually be a clue about what happens at the end of Stormlight Archive 5. Stay with me. I didn't know if you were going to go for it. And you're going for it in 11. I'm going for it. Here it is. Quote, there was land ahead and lights that seemed too alive for the cold fire of this strange place. People crowded around, hundreds of them with strange outfits, many with odd red hair, lost. This was her task, to save those people, end quote. I think that this, perhaps, is an indication that something happens in Stormlight Archive 5. Obviously, we have the big battle of champions happening, so maybe that or something related to that, some type of cataclysm, an event, forces some portion of Rasharans into Shadesmar as refugees, and perhaps a large number of these refugees are horn eaters, hence the red hair. Maybe it's just the horn eaters, like maybe they are forced off of the peaks for some reason. They like jump in their Sharn pool that we know is up there and end up in Shadesmar as refugees lost. Maybe it's more than just the Horn Eaters, but that's my thought. I love this speculation. And this pull from, again, just like one line of text is fantastic. I don't think it actually tells us too much about what happens or like who wins and or loses during right. Stormlight 5, but the concept merely that a bunch of horn eaters and possibly other Risharians were stuck in Shadesmar, you know, taking refuge in Shadesmar. And then that is the mission that Melon is on to help those people. I love it. I think that there's a lot of support of this particular interpretation in this reading. I think that you mentioned we know that the perpendicularity, cultivation's perpendicularity, is somewhere in the Horn Eater Peaks. We also have a great deal of knowledge that something weird is happening with yeah. Rock and that his story is going to come back into play. And, and so we've already heard rumblings and rumors that something weird is happening in the Horn Eater Peaks themselves. Yes, and... The speculation began, I think, as early as Oathbringer, where Rock's wife comes down and meets with Rock on the plains and says, there's stuff happening back home. But then Rock leaves and goes 
to find out what is happening there. I simply believe this is a great catch and that we might have to be returning to this line yeah, in the future. Yeah, put a pin in that for sure. Let's talk more about world hopping and this travel between worlds that is becoming more and more common. We hear a bit about it in The Lost Metal from the Ghost Bloods. They say, quote, travel to Biendal has been completely upset. That's four primary systems we can't visit without extreme danger if you count Rashar. I've said it for years. The perpendicularities are no longer viable. They never were good for mass transportation or commerce, no matter how hard those fools on Nalthus try. We need a different end quote. Wow. Just filled with gold nuggets, that quote is. Filled. Absolutely filled. We get the name of a new system we've not heard of before. Biendal is how I'm saying it, I guess. There's a there's a nice soft J in there. Brennan loves a soft J. Completely new system. There is speculation that maybe Biendal or the Biendal system is the home of Twin Souls planet and the, the Aetherbound planets. Oh. There are, of course, several shard worlds or shards that we assume have worlds well, that we don't have the name of. Apparently calling them primary systems. That's the thing, because I feel like we know the primary systems, at least from a reader's perspective, which would be the Skadrian system, which I don't think they're talking about because they're there. You know, they wouldn't be talking about traveling to Skadriel because... Though Skadriel's perpendicularities were destroyed and or made difficult to access. So couldn't they be... Like, let's try to do that part as well. I'm wondering what are the four primary systems that they are talking about? Because I thought Skadriel was one. I don't think it's Skadriel. Interesting. Uh, they're including Rashar in okay. the four. Like and that's named and Biendal. We don't know what the other Biendal two is. And yeah, we don't know. I would guess that cell is one we know we've heard it said before that cell is very difficult to get through through the cognitive realm because the shards shattered power has been shoved into the cognitive realm so i think that's a really solid guess as number three i have no idea what number four would be unless it's threnody but is that really a primary system Exactly. That question of defining things as primary systems. But I feel like this is another place where I feel so over in over my head, which I'm not used to feeling anymore because we study the Cosmere so intensely. I feel like I usually have pretty good footing. And I feel like as readers, this is a mystery. We have no idea what a primary system would be to the characters. And it seems like there is a piece of information that we don't know let us know what you think if you have another answer for the last of these possible four primary systems that are difficult to visit through their perpendicularity that's the and only... what you think biendal might be because we also have further speculation on crazy shenanigans this to me struck me as like the most shenanigan-y shenanigan that i've ever seen where it is just like chekhov's gun in the first act needing to be used in the third act except this gun came in the third act and it is marasi dropping a cube device into shadesmar and then we don't know yeah she just drops it in that is another thing that i think put a pin in that because at this moment 
in another universe on the Cosmere, that Fabriel is just bouncing around in the cognitive realm. Who's going to pick it up? Who's going to do what with it? Is it going to be reverse engineered by someone else? Like, where is this little cube going to lead us? I think this sort of also ties into that last quote with further confirmation that there are multiple parties trying to use the cognitive realm for transportation and commerce. So it's very likely that all the people walking around in there, someone is going to find this cube and do something with it. Yes, bringing it back to the Nalfinians who apparently have easy and safe use of a perpendicularity, and they want others to use theirs for commerce and mass transportation. I continue to be more and more intrigued by what has been going on on Nalthus since we left it in Warbreaker. We'll talk about this quite a bit in our secret project series coming up. Man, those Nalthinians, they have been up to a lot, it seems. And do we happen to remember what the cube device was a Fabriel for? Was it Marasi's cube device slowing yes. down time? Yes. She has charged it with her power. She drops it in to freeze Autonomy's the- army. Mm-hmm. So Autonomy's army is not able to act in time. And Marasi and her compatriots are able to drain the perpendicularity preventing them from coming in so that means that assuming the cube device was used until it ran out it does not have any existing power but the technology and kind of the double band technology that we've talked about a lot when it comes to the southern scadrians should make it the perfect type of device to set the interested Nalthinian or maybe Taldanian, whoever happens to find it, it's almost perfectly designed to be intriguing and basically begging to be figured out. Like, how can we dump our version of investiture into this device and like store it up, use it later in some type of unkeyed fashion? I definitely think that we're going to maybe not just going to see that device come into play we might see technology and future fabrials based on that but from someone else's perspective yeah i don't necessarily think that we are going to see the cube popping up but i think we should all be asking ourselves where it is going to lead and what we might see that is a descendant of the cube yes exactly cube version 14.8 in the far future is going to be real amazing technology. And it may not be coming from the Scadrians. That's kind of the important thing that we're getting here. It's like a supernova has gone off or is going off in the Cosmere. And the material of creation is just being flung through the universe. And we're going to see some crazy stuff. (laughs) Okay, we've gone wide. We've gone big. We've talked about the entire Cosmere. Let's now start bringing it back specifically to Scadrill. And let's talk about this tripod, the tripod of Scadrill's sort of greater rule that is Harmony, Thytokar, and Marsh. And they are, quote, three of us remain from that original crew. 
After all this time, only three, legs to a tripod, balancing one another, and without one, I do not know what would happen. End quote. That's from Marsh talking about the three of them. And when it's Marsh's words, I am left to worry about Marsh because Marsh was like in a a weakened state through the lost metal. And then we saw great action being taken by both the other two, Didacar and Harmony, to like revive Marsh and get Marsh back. And then we also know that the legend of Marsh or the legend of death as a individual with spikes through the eye is spreading throughout the Cosmere. That comes from the lost metal Ars Arcanum. Yes. And so I'm just curious if this is something that they all recognize, that there is actually a new balance, a new harmony, if you will, but not between two, but instead three, and a balance between these three. Well, just that we have discussed quite often the decay or the breaking down of people over time. It seems like time is not anybody's favor in the Cosmere, whether they be vessels holding shards, heralds, or Vasher-like type 2 invested entities. Time doesn't seem to be doing anybody any help. Perhaps these three being around somehow helps them with that problem. It balances them out in a way. I I, I am curious if this is an improvement upon the original vessels. Adonalsium is shattered. Individuals each take up the shards. However, they have taken an oath of non-intervention. They have agreed Mm -hmm. to all stay away from each other. And so these human beings who, and dragons, and possibly Shodel, these (laughs) Yolanites who have taken up these shards, who have not been godheads before don't have any support right you know we all know that anytime you're gonna do something challenging you need to have a good support system you gotta have your friends your family around you to help you as you go through that challenge and the original vessels seems like didn't have that some of them did because they broke their pact immediately and moved to planets together to me that's (laughs) even further justification of what you're saying is that Some of them made a pact and then near the first thing they did was break that pact because it was so important to have the honor and cultivation or their vessels names, the Ati and Laris and the other pairings. We've only seen pairings, but there is actually still room for there be a a planet created by three shards. We just haven't seen that yet. But to me, it's so meaningful that there was an agreement and an immediate breaking of the agreement it's almost like the beginnings of the united states which had a failed articles of confederation that ruled for a number of years until everyone was like this is terrible and they came back and like redid and then created the constitution which then has the ability to change built into its structure and here we have this question of how are the legs of the tripod going to grow and adapt over time? Is it possible that they could all be working on harmony together? Not like- I mean, yeah, like obviously this theory of mine is completely refuted by the fact that harmony doesn't seem to be doing great. So like maybe the support does not seem to necessarily be helping him a whole lot to succeed as a vessel. I would say because he's not actually being supported, he's still doing it the old way. One vessel 
holding now two shards. What if we were saying like think, these three people became all vessels of yeah, the two shards? I think that sort of along those lines, Marsh is maybe the most clear-sighted in this circumstance. And he is correct to say that if the three of them are working together and pulling their own weight, they will stabilize like a tripod. But I don't think that's actually what's happening. Mm. It seems like there is a little bit of an imbalance where Harmony and Marsh seem to be working together more closely. In The Lost Metal, we specifically see Harmony working to get more ATM for Marsh. They seem to have pretty good communication. You know, they're like talking about their roles on Scadrial and like dividing responsibilities in a way, right? Obviously, Marsh is not doing as much as Harmony is. But they seem to have a really strong working relationship. And then there's Thytokar, kind of off to the side, doing his own thing, possibly plotting against Harmony, question mark. And so there's some instability in that tripod that it seems like maybe Marsh is not fully giving credit to. But I do think this comes back to the conversation we've had multiple times now as we're going through the Lost Metal. Is it Harmony or is it Discord? I would say that right now we are in a discordant time And that the actions that we have been seeing are maybe because of the discord. And perhaps that will lead to a harmony down the road. But right now, everything is discordant. So Thytokar is out on the edge or the outskirts while Marsh and Harmony are working together. Two legs of the tripod stronger than the other one. That's discordant. And that will not work forever if what you want is harmony. I think that this is actually more about autonomy than it is about discord. Oh, I think that the again. reason Thytokar Kelsier is off on his own is because, let's be honest, Kelsier is always off on his own, doing his own thing. He thinks he knows best. He's the only one who can do it. And I just want to throw out some quotes from autonomy. I love this. About... This whole situation. This is like role reversal. We've got you just with the hot takes today. Hit me with your spicy hot take. Yeah. Who is Kelsier? I think that there is potential in the future of the Cosmere. Kelsier becomes an avatar of autonomy. Never understood the Telson. It was almost just like a connection was needed to bring wax into the story. If autonomy had their eyes on somebody on Scadrial just like Ruin did, it should be Kelsier. Like that's the individual you should hyper-focus on. Yeah, and I think there's a question because Kelsier is not Not fully human. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Can one focus on him anymore? Unsure how that works. Like maybe he needs to take out his current spike and spike himself with a Bavadinium spike in order for this to work. But here is my evidence. Quote, It is the fault of those who strive for more, Autonomy said, and to their credit in the accomplishment, though I do not think your sister understands the nature of true autonomy yet. Her attempts have a fabricated, forced uniqueness to them, not the raw wounds of true individualism, end quote. Right there. The raw wounds of true individualism is basically Kelsier's subtitle. Yeah, totally. And then she goes on to say, quote, It is only in the struggle to survive that a person, a people, 
achieves their potential, end quote. And to me, that is Kelsier's thesis statement. Mm -hmm. He struggled. He survived. Obviously, survive became his big banner. Through that, he believes that the people of Scadriel can achieve, their potential can achieve better. That was his entire goal with the Ska Rebellion. And this I is think now... he is still moving towards that. We see him petitioning Harmony to allow them technological advances and Mistborn and things like that. He is still pushing for this uh, potential, achieving potential for the people of Scadriel. So this to me is just a huge flashing neon sign connecting Kelsier to autonomy. Even the religion of survivorism is all about this concept. You are going to struggle to survive and you are going to do that struggle to achieve your potential. That's the kind of like motivating aspect that someone like Steris brings to their situation. And I feel like that is further influencing Thytokar as well, because he's caught in this web of the influence that he's put out and then the influence that people are bringing back to whatever he is now as the survivor. And then all of this combined with Kelsier saying that he hopes he never has to protect Scadriel from Sazed, this sort of veiled threat. threat yeah, ominous. Yeah. Uh, but you can totally to see this. how if Kelsier was afraid that Zazed had gone too far, he'd become discord in truth, then he would go to equally outrageous steps and actions to try to counteract that. Yeah, so, I mean, like I think he would, have, in. he would have the exact same justification as Telson of just saying, hey, we tried Harmony. It hasn't worked out for us. So we need... You know, we need some big guns of our own to come in and have a new regime. I don't think Kelsier would have a problem with that at all. He already overturned one god, so. There's also a high degree of similarity between the spy networks and just the ghost blood infrastructure and whatever autonomy is doing across the Cosmere with the avatars. Just like the oh. mindset, I feel like, is very similar we talked about how just having like eyes everywhere agents kind of. i kind of think of them like sleeper agents y'all remember the winter soldier from marvel he's a secret agent that can be like activated by the code words and whatnot so kelsier has that network that can be activated by dead drops and code yeah, words and like brought I mean... into the fold or brought out of hiding and autonomy similarly has their avatars waiting to go around the Cosmere. At least as we see on Rashar, the ghost blood agents individually are quite autonomous. They don't really seem to like work together a whole lot. I would find it hard to believe that Thydekar could just be like, and now you're mine. And they would all just be like, yes, we are. It's pretty clear that they all have their own interests that they're working on. So I don't think it's quite like that. But just the idea of having eyes and like having a, an information network across the Cosmere obviously is valuable. Yeah, I think that you're even taking it a step further than I would because I don't think autonomy 
could do what you just described either. I don't think autonomy could snap their fingers and instantly have control over all of their avatars at yeah, once. Yeah, I guess that's, that's the question. And I that's think that the some weird may have... thing about autonomy is, are these avatars actually autonomous? Mm-hmm. Or are they like or are slaves, they hive mind? Not, right. So like, is it a sleeper agent situation where she's kind of like, yeah, yeah, you can do your own thing. You're autonomous, baby. And then as soon as she wants to, she can just take take over all of her avatars. And they are not actually autonomous. They are just part of autonomy. Lots of speculation is possible. But if it's the, the winter soldier concept, then there is the keywords that can wake him up and turn him into assassin. But there's also the love of Steve Rogers, his best friend forever. I can do this all day. I'm with you to the end of the line. That brings out his like true desires deep down. Maybe there's some type of I don't think similarity. that's how this works. No, no, no. Everything can be related to something else. That's how these work. Let's go from talking about the individuals of this tripod to maybe one of their creations, the mm. bands of mourning. Clearly, we learn that this is heavily influenced by Thydekar Kelsier directly. And we're kind of left to believe, I think, that the bands were Kelsier's creation in maybe efforts to reclaim his misborn mm. abilities. I think there's still a question about whether they are from Kelsier, whether they are from the Lord Ruler. Because there's so much basically experimentation going on. That's why I said that maybe the bands are a creation of this tripod mm. because mm-hmm. Marsh's hemallergic background was maybe needed for the collection of these powers. Thydekar obviously wants to be the user of the bands and be misborn again, but none of that can happen without the support and blessing and spiritual realm access that Harmony gives. But the bands were kind of left up in the air and were used as part of this political game that we see in the lost metal so let's like bring us up to date on where the bands are at yeah this is another thing that gets left dangling at the end of the lost metal lots of questions here i think let's first do this nice long quote specifically about what happened to the bands quote the bands could have been drained By whom? And how? Dahl stepped forward and touched them with one finger. It's true, he muttered. What have you done? Have you been using these in secret? What? Adawathman said. No, we haven't seen them in years. Not since the treaty. Dahl picked up the bands in one hand. I will return them to my people. Wait, Steris said, standing. That wasn't the deal. Wasn't it? He said. You had your chance to use them. It happens that they are useless to you. Now we must have our chance. I wonder if it is piety that makes them work, yeah? Or maybe I am right and you've been using them all along. Our scholars will know if you are trying to pass off some fake. Steris looked at him and had the distinct impression that was a prepared speech? Yes, she prepared words to say even in common conversations. His mannerisms felt practice, rehearsed, but surely she was wrong. He couldn't have been prepared for this, end quote. Sowing that seed that there is some nefarious plot happening here from the Southern Skadrians. We have absolutely no idea what has happened to the bands or how, as Sarah says, how this could be. 
a planned thing. My thought was that maybe this is somehow related to Kelsier's visit to the South when Marasi first encounters Moonlight and goes to the hideout. Kelsier is traveling. They say that he's taken an airship to the south, and that's why they have to call him via Sion. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, this seems weird. Like, why, when all of this other stuff is going on, why is Kelsier just like, I'm gonna go for a vacation in the south? It's Bye. Warm there, like, so what? Let's go. What are you doing, Kelsier? And so this is sort of my way of making that make sense. Somehow he, because he would want the bands back, as Mm -hmm. you're just saying, he wants that power. He has an established relationship with the Southern Skadrians. So my thought is he is the mastermind of whatever happened to the bands. And just think about an era three Skadriel that was all cold war and thefts and, and kind of a back and forth tit for tat situation, all having been begun under our noses in era two with an action like this Mm. a subterfuge not from either one of the nations but from that third party player kelsier thydekar and the ghost bloods really just messing stuff up but you could conceivably start an intelligence service for both countries based on this action oh totally scadrian's or the northern yeah, are like going to want to investigate. Exactly. They're going to want to figure out what happened and figure out what's being done. So how do you do that? You have spies and you send them down to the southern Skadrians who then reciprocate and become mm, I involved like this call. in this cold war to figure out like who was doing what that and it's going to all revert back to Kelsier. Kelsier did it. It was always oh, Kelsier. Kelsier. Well, we don't know that. That's a a guess on I think that's a good call though. It is one of my favorites that we have tossed out. <laughs> this episode has been just chock full of great stuff. Let's continue on because there's also some things hinted at regarding what possibility with the power of the bands. Quote, we believe, he whispered, there is a way to transport objects large distances using a conflux of metal-borne powers. It is a thing Harmony doesn't yet understand himself. But I wonder if someone feeling the transcendent power of the bands could solve the puzzle, end quote. And that's from Tensoon. I find this a little confusing. Why would Tensoon know that this is a possibility and think that someone with mistborn powers would know more or be capable of more than Harmony? He says Harmony doesn't understand how it would be possible. If Harmony doesn't understand how it would be possible, why would a lay person with some extra power know how to do it? You know? That is a good question. I feel like it's a fair criticism. But let's remember, the bands do give power to both sets of metallurgic abilities. So right. it's not Alamancy only... and Farukmi. Right. But that is nowhere close to being a, a shard. shard. However... I'm wondering if there is something lost by the vessels that Tensoon is pointing out here that your maybe like physical body is less aware of itself. This is major speculation, obviously. But if the shards kind of like forget what being a physical body is like, and then you give a lot of the power of a god 
to someone who is still definitely in a physical body. It like allows them a new perspective that maybe the vessel and shroud that doesn't is happen. Too much of a stretch. Too much yeah, of a that stretch. That doesn't make you say. any sense at all. It wouldn't make any sense, except Tensoon is saying that it will make sense. He is saying that Harmony doesn't understand and that somebody else could solve this puzzle. This well, Tensoon could be wrong. Tensoon can be wrong. Yeah. I, just, I, I don't have any reason to think that Tensoon is. But this is potentially the start of space travel. Yes, I think that that is a great guess because we know that Skadrians are advancing towards that type of future, a sci-fi-esque future. Transporting objects large distances, we've seen in the Cosmere. That's what happens with the Oath Gates on Rishar. People, goods, material, stand on the Oath Gates. Mm. There's an exchange of investiture in the form of Stormlight, and then they are instantaneously transported to another Oath Gate, and I believe that's what Tensoon is talking about. So hmm. I'm just wondering how that process can be mimicked with metallurgy. You think so? You think this is talking more about teleportation, not about developing like space travel? Well, I think it may be talking about teleportation in the same way that here on Earth, people in the past wrote stories about teleportation, and that like influenced scientists to figure out how to move through space and just like travel mm. and physics and like explore different concepts. So that's like the fiction of what they're hunting is what Tensoon is pointing out. There's a way to miraculously teleport. And in striving to find that power of teleportation, they are going to figure out transportation really, really fast. Maybe some type of transportation good enough to get them into space hmm. travel. Okay. Interesting. What do you think is going to happen here with a conflux, a confluence of metalborn powers? Yeah, I was just assuming that this was sort of going along with the other technological advances that have been made for the flying ships and eventually moving towards space travel. I wasn't really thinking about like a teleportation scenario, but who knows? I wonder if we are going to see a power that is akin to or having the same abilities as a bondsmith who seems to be able to join the realm exactly bring all three realms together at will i feel like with metallurgy i just can't even begin to think about all of the things that would need to be combined in order for something like that to happen i think one of in the this, in this realm i feel like metallurgy is just so much more manual in a way than other forms of investiture that seem to have shortcuts for a lot of this type of thing where metallurgy seems to be more primitive or just more hands-on. You have to do a lot more work to combine the different things in exactly the right way in order to get X. I think that's a good understanding and i do think that maybe it is those limitations or lack of shortcuts in some ways like we have to go through allomancy or we have to go through ferrucomy or hemallergy and there's no shortcut around that we're going to have to use that path and so we have to go down that way it actually makes us more creative based on that limitation 
and allows us to do something that we wouldn't necessarily otherwise do. For example, we've already seen with the Southern Scadrians, they have some understanding mastery of identity and being able to unkey and unlock powers for different people. Well, they have a specific piece of technology that does it for them. Exactly. And if you further develop that specific concept and philosophy and bring up fabrial technology into the future, maybe what's going on with a teleportation-like device is a bunch of different types of metallurgy all being used at once. And one of them would be identity, like unlocking you from your physical place in the Cosmere, as if to say, you know, the spiritual realm sounds at a pulse and is like, where is everybody? And you have used a device that says, I am not here. I'm actually way over there on the other Mm. side of the planet. I don't think that would be identity. I like the idea. I don't think that's what identity is. Identity might not be the correct power, but something about like recognizing where you are in the Cosmere. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Like even just to get something as simple, simple, (laughs) quote unquote simple as that, you would have to be combining multiple, multiple metals. Which I think is going to be possible and something that we may have actually already seen in Seeker Project number one. But before we get to talk about that in a lot of detail, let's really discuss hemallergy and like what we see in the Lost Metal regarding hemallergy and what it could mean for the future. A whole lot happens with hemallergy in the Lost Metal. And we're set up for a lot of changes and a lot of questions in the future. I want to just quickly tap on one of the other frustrating points of the ending of The Lost Metal, which is that we leave Wax in a new place that is virtually unexplored in The Lost Metal. And I'm very sad to think that we will not be able to explore it because Wax is now both a Mistborn and is spiked. And I would really like to see how that continues to develop. He certainly is one of a kind. His combination of powers was already immensely rare. Of course, there are no known Mistborn since Lord Mistborn Spook. And Wax is just alive and kicking at the end. He's got kids. We don't think that his kids should be impacted by his Mistborn nature because it right. happened yeah. after they were created. So there's no like genetic passing on there. Of course, genetic passing on caused a bunch of problems in the final empire. So I don't want to recreate like a a Skywalker-esque brand of waxes going forward in the future who are like... That's not where this is going. As long as they don't have any more kids, which is still a possibility for them. Oh, that's true. They're alive and kicking. That's true. That's true. They could have have more children, Mm -hmm. which would be interesting we once speculated that there could have been a descendant of wax who was like causing problems in the future of era three and perhaps this is like a you know the one who goes bad the one who is impacted (gasps) by the hemorrhage yeah basically (laughs) the, the third child i mean i don't think the hemorrhage would affect it at all but the the Mistborn thing would. Let's go to this quote from Harmony about something like weird or unplanned, we'll say, in regards to what has been happening to Wax. Harmony says this, quote, it didn't work as I'd hoped, end quote. 
which is intriguing. What does that mean? We don't see Wax really start to explore his misborn nature at all. Harmony doesn't seem to want to tell him Mm -hmm. that he is now a misborn, even though he told Wayne. And... And I think because he knew Wayne was going to die. Right. So it's just what what did what does this mean? What did he think was going to happen? What actually happened? I'm curious if this is I think you had talked about this before that Wax is maybe a less powerful misborn than, for example, Vin, because mm. he only got a small amount of the metal. I was in the camp that I thought maybe the amount of metal didn't matter. If you were misborn, you were misborn, period. Or because it was Loracium, he would be the same power as Elend because of that. I didn't think the amount had any bearing. Now I'm wondering if the amount does have a bearing and Harmony thought that Wax would be a super powerful Mistborn, and instead he's kind of Mistborn light. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, I also have questions about this. I think it once again points at a, a weakness of Harmony and a perhaps clue back to what we had discussed earlier about the tripod being necessary. What if when Harmony says it didn't work as I'd hoped in that he didn't want Wax to be a Mistborn at all. That wasn't necessarily part of the plan. What he wanted was Atium for Marsh and Wayne to be a misborn or Wayne to be set up in the final mm. moments of the story. Yeah. And it was a byproduct that Wax was part of that experience as well. And so that's the thing that he didn't hope because I'm like looking at this as if this result is not what you hoped. What was the result that Harmony was hoping for? Right. And he seemed to get something truly valuable, which was more ATM for Marsh out of this situation, right? Yeah. So to me, if there was something very valuable received, that's probably what you wanted. Not always. Obviously, things can happen randomly. But I would think that's like the primary drive is a desire to create new atium for marsh to continue because we know that the legend of marsh continues to grow after the lost metal as death and so maybe that's what harmony wanted from this situation i think this brings up a lot of questions and maybe clues as to the shards and how much foresight future sight they have or what the view Mm -hmm. of a shard is in a lot of circumstances we see them being aware or being able to see at least some possibilities for future events and i just question i think this is highlighting the fact that one not all shards have the same access to future sight we've heard previously that certain shards have better access to future sight than others so perhaps harmonies naturally is not very good. It doesn't necessarily seem like he set up Wax to do that experiment. He didn't know, I don't think, that Wax was going to split Harmonium and create a little bit of extra ATM. It doesn't seem like that is the case because he expresses, Harmony expresses, surprise that Wax did something different in that instance and got a different result than had ever happened before. 
That's a good point. So and I don't, yeah, it doesn't seem like he was trying to create a team. It also doesn't seem like he was trying to create a Mistborn in Wax. So then it's curious that he says it didn't work as I'd hoped. So I'm thinking maybe he saw a variety of possibilities and one of the possibilities was like wax becomes a mistborn and he was hoping for that outcome because he thought it would help the whole yeah, autonomy situation be, be better stronger. yeah maybe is my thought this is a tough one. And so you should definitely feel free to reach out and let us know what you think Harmony's intentions were and like what did Harmony hope would happen because it seemed to work out pretty well for Wax and Wayne. I know Wayne is dead. But Scadriel <laughs> yeah. is saved, and there was a repelling of an invading army. I feel like everybody kind of came out up, but Harmony seems to be real down with his yeah. whole situation. So that's definitely interesting. And I'm wondering if, like what you are saying, because they can only see a range of possible futures and maybe not even have perfect vision like some of those images are fuzzy if depending on which shard you are but there is such a vast range of possibilities that even trying to move in one direction and like influencing things to happen in a certain direction might lead you into just something completely unexpected and that might have been the situation that harmony found himself in where to me as a god if i picked up the shard powers that would be the most fun thing is to like find out all the ways that I was wrong about what I thought <laughs> my God power was. You know, I'm zazed and I'm like, oh, I can see the future. And there's just like all of these different possibilities. And look, this happens 87.6% of the time. That's cool. But then when it doesn't happen and just going like, huh, why didn't that thing happen? Because of the other possible percentages. But like, you know, seeing that play out and like how my guesses would be incorrect, I think would be fun. And maybe that's all... Zazed is dealing with so at this fun. Point. I don't think it's fun when you have like people's lives in your hands and dangerous powers because there is also a lot of hinting at further creation of hemallergic and spiked monsters, maybe even as far as like something akin to the lifeless army. That's my question is are these hemallergic abominations, I feel comfortable saying, going to end up creating something like Scadriel's version of a lifeless army. Because I think we have the actual lifeless army on Nalthus. We have something similar to that in Secret Project 1. I won't say more than that. And it seems like each planet is sort of developing their own unstoppable army yeah well certainly we have the men of red and gold that we see and speculated about being from taldane possibly yeah and so that's where i potentially see these creepy hemallergic creatures going we see some new ones in the lost metal i don't think we need to talk a whole ton about them but one important thing to note is that quote the strain that the set has developed can track like a hound but think almost like a person end quote so they seem to be gaining skills and complexity as they are experimented with and i think just because autonomy has been defeated and a lot of the set has been killed or destroyed 
I don't think that means that this type of gross experiment is going anywhere in the near future. I think we're going to see more of this. Unfortunately, so. And we know that the creation of the Chondra as well as the Coloss in the Final Empire was done with the mindset and the power and knowledge of a god that the Lord Ruler was doing something very precise Mm -hmm. and that... He could see, like, the right way to do it to create what he wanted to create. Exactly. And finding your way through trial and error, which it seems like the set is going to have to do. Rough. Exactly. (laughs) Going to be a rough time because of lines from the text like this. Quote, if you tried to approximate such designs, you were likely to kill your subject or stumble into some kind of half creation, a twisted mutation, leaving a being's soul mangled by the spikes, end quote. That's what we're fearful of could happen and be seen on schedule. And then it becomes that question facing someone like Thydekar, maybe looking around at a mutated, warped army of almost sentient, you know, coloss chondra like things spiked creation and then you're maybe left to wonder hey is discord a bad thing that we need to fight against and like we turn the tables well that brings us to spikes and there is a lot of revelations about hemallergic spikes and how they are currently functioning which seems to be different from the way that we've seen them before We see the crew, the main crew, discovering that there can be hemallergic spikes, multiples, without incurring Harmony's influence, which is new. Marasi notes that that first set member that she fights had four spikes, which is supposed to give Harmony control, and it didn't. Wax theorizes that it may be because of the trellium spike, that that is the thing disrupting the way things usually work, which I was totally on board with until we get some other tidbits in the Ars Arcanum. And before you jump to that quote from the Ars Arcanum, I just wanted to pull in from Wax's speculation. He calls it specifically a linchpin, perhaps having something to do with the placement of the spike like a linchpin. Now let's jump over to that line from the Ars Arcanum, and then I'll come back to the linchpin concept. We've got a few quotes from Chris here. One of them is quite long, but I think it's just solid gold, and so we should read it. The first thing she says is that, quote, something odd is happening with the nature of spikes and hemallergy on Scadriel. Of particular note to any arcanists who study the nature of intent and connection, end quote. I obviously had to pull that out because as we are seeing, over and over and over again, everything in the Cosmere, all of investiture, I think, is going to come down to intent and connection. I agree. And I think that intent and connection are making themselves important in the same way that Wayne had the revelation that everything is like pushing and pulling, his power Mm, included. Yeah. And then Thydekar, towards the end, when talking about his vision through the spike, a godlike vision, talking about pulling and pushing on the individual axi of creation. This is the binary code. This is it. This is all you have. Push, pull, one and zero. And when it comes to the nature of spikes 
changing and this concept of a linchpin, I wonder if the thing that was kind of signaling harmony in the past, the spikes when there are multiples of them, that they create kind of like a a network, uh, an electrical current, you could say, running between them. And if you have one spike, that doesn't call out to harmony because there's no network being created. There's no other thing that it's linking to. But as soon as you put two spikes into a single person or entity, that creates a link, a connection, not electrical, but we're going to pretend that it's electrical. And that used to be enough to let harmony step in and say, you've created that link, but I'm like in control of all links on this planet. Now we have up to four. And I think that the trellium could be sending out like a repelling electrical field. And so Harmony can't use the network because the network has been replaced by trellium, kind of. Yeah, I think that there is something. It certainly seems like there's something going on with trellium and that repelling action that it does. I think there is something to the idea of specific placement. We know that placement matters in hemallergy. But let's see what Chris has to say about this, because this whole thing sort of throws a wrench into that theory that it's just trellium or just placement. Yeah, there's something else going on. Read it for us. Quote, Marsh speaks of things in the past, like hemallergic decay and the toll that holding so many spikes takes upon the body. Inquisitors during his day slept for many hours. The words of founding say that this was due to the need for storing health, but Marsh indicates that there may be more subtlety to it than first understood. I'd postulate that it was in part a side effect of the incredible burden placed upon their souls by the nature of their horrific transformations. Modern souls, however, seem to simply reject spikes of this magnitude. Further research is required, but I believe that this has something to do with the nature of Ruin's subservience to preservation in the current dual vessel known as Harmony. The level of corruption of a soul that was possible in ancient days is no longer viable. If too many spikes are added, souls stop gaining powers. Marsh doesn't think this is a conscious decision on Harmony's part. Indeed, I think this is beyond the conscious abilities of even a shard. End quote. So much detail right there. And this is why you got to read the Ars Arcanum, kids. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess this is saying something a little bit different because it's talking about the ability to continue gaining powers, not necessarily the ability to gain powers without Harmony's influence. So I think now I'm saying these are two separate things that are changing about Spike's on Scadrial. I think it's interesting that Harmony's power is now giving a an automatic protection, an automatic preservation of the soul, preventing it from gaining power past what would be sustainable for the soul. Ruinous, right? It's yeah. A, you can't be, or modern souls cannot be as ruinous as, well, as souls ruined. in the past. Yeah, as ruined as souls in the past. And that that has maybe nothing to do with Zay's intent, or it's not something he's trying to do. It is merely a byproduct of the shards being held by the same individual. That, and like, the way that he is holding them. Now ruin 
comes with preservation and that they there's going to be no more people born on Scadrail that are like Kelsier or more importantly that are like Straff Venture who Brandon has said is one of the more straight up evil people that exists in the entire Cosmere. I mean, I think evil people are still going to exist. This is specifically talking about the ability of spikes. Exactly. So you couldn't you couldn't create a marsh. You could never create a marsh. Yeah. You could never create, I think, even... You can't create a Mistborn at all with spikes. Exactly. And I think that you used to be able to yeah. because more ruin was allowed in the souls of Scadrial's ancient past. Yes. To me, this is very worrying because we have a couple of souls from Scadrial's ancient past who are still around, who haven't gotten the reset of like not being as corruptible. We have Marsh, we have Kelsier, uh-huh. we have Zazed, who are all apparently souls that are more able to be ruined. Well, Marsh has always been that way like he is he is fully ruined he has all of the powers he has all of the spikes and fortunately he is with harmony who is i think probably sort of preserving him against any bad effects of that kelsier is a whole different story because he is a type two well he's not a type two he's he's whatever kelsier is and Harmony, I don't think counts, at least not in the moment, because he is a shard. Chris goes on to say that this is, quote, is the nature of souls, the invested portion of a person's nature, and their balance with the Cosmere. Quote, Ruin's previous amount of, he was just putting like a lot of force onto Scadrial and impacting and affecting everybody's spirit web there. And now that's lessened. That's not happening as much. And even though it's happening less, the control that Zazed should have as the holder of Ruin is also lessened. Like he has less of an ability to control those individuals. At the same time, their souls are less able to be ruined. It's very interesting. Yeah, so I think that does probably have to do with the trellium and the placement. We hear that another change that is different from what we see in Era 1 is that, quote, compounding seems beyond the abilities of any hemologist created in this more modern era. The secret to cracking why this is and how to circumvent it could be of the utmost importance to those watching hemology and its presumed danger to the Cosmere as a whole, end quote. So this is saying that now in the modern Scadrial, a manufactured hemallergist cannot compound. Yeah. They cannot do what Miles' hundred lives did. Even if you took the appropriate actions and hemallergically created that person, they still wouldn't be able to compound their powers. That's how I'm reading it. Well, Miles didn't have a spike. No, no. I'm saying yeah. if you did create a Miles' hundred lives with hemallergy, oh, they would not be able to compound, correct. even though they should be able to. Yes, correct. Crazy weird. Yeah. I don't have really any guesses to like why compounding all of a sudden wouldn't work other than there's just something fundamentally different about the spirit webs that exist in modern Well, I think that compounding is an imbalance. It creates an imbalance. It is sort of anti-life in a way. Like it just is something that shouldn't exist really in the natural order of things, even in an order that includes 
investiture. And so because ruin and preservation are being more balanced now, there's still an imbalance, but they are more balanced. And because of this previous quote where Chris is talking about the balance of the soul and their relationship with the Cosmere, compounding is like an outlier. It's outlawed because of its imbalanced nature. Certainly something that is not harmonious and that Harmony would not like because of the power that is unlocked in side of compounding. It's basically like all of the secrets of Skadrian powers are hidden within compounding, which I think is why a character like Miles Hundred Lives was so interesting because it's like who gets pushed to the extremes of the system and then get to watch how they react and how they like handle those extremes, I think is one of the fun parts of this clash, this alloys existence that we see in Era 2 and hopefully plays out in Era 3 and 4 as well. There's so much complexity to the structure of metallurgy between all of the different metals, all of the different alloys that can be created with the god metals, between allomancy and ferrucamy and hemallurgy. There is so much going on. I find it very overwhelming. Like we could spend so much time on Scadrial just exploring all of these different things, like seeing what every single kind of compounder would be able to do and things like that. But we're going to have to wait for a while until we pick up with Scadrial again. This is our last little, I feel like I'm standing on a ship that's like going out to sea, just like waving goodbye to Scadrial, like bon voyage, we'll see you again someday. But it's a Shadesmar ship. We're yeah. just off into the cognitive Perfect. realm. Yes. Going to go hang out with Nikki Savage and Chris. I have loved being able to review the Lost Metal in detail. And as you've said, this is our last voyage to Scadrial for a while. I think the next thing on the horizon that we could possibly hope for is a Mistborn Secret History Part 2, which, assuming the pattern holds, would be Kelsey or Thydekar's journeys during Era mm. 2. Yeah, we'll see. Brandon has said he'd like to write that, but he doesn't know if it's going to be possible. I think that this episode is going to generate a lot of theories and thoughts and questions. So please do hit us up. Let us know. We love hearing all of your theories, even the crazy ones. You guys always come up with details that we've forgotten about, far off words of Brandon that have been buried. So give us all your stuff. We will be back with our first episode on Secret Project 1. So get hyped. If you are waiting for the tour release, will be on April 4th. So you can get your hard copy then and then tune into our podcast and hear what we have to say. So the Tress Book Club will be coming to this feed. And if you are already a super fan and are excited about Secret Project number two, you can join us on Patreon for early access to the book club episodes there. Brooke, can you take us away? Until next time, life before death. Strength before weakness. Journey before destination. Journey before destination.